Welcome to Truly Fit, the online fitness marketplace connecting pros and clients through unique fitness business software. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's podcast, I speak with Bradley Dryberg. As you know, I make it a point on this podcast to have on guests that provide value for fitness and health professionals, whether it's marketing techniques, fitness business-based tax experts, pelvic floor physical therapist. You know, it doesn't have to be specific to exercise, but rather interconnected to the business of fitness as well. However, occasionally I find it, and actually more often recently, I find it really important to show the human side of fitness and health and not be so robotic. We have to marry the skill sets of both business and building relationships in our industry to be successful. Bradley's story is one of perseverance and resilience. Bradley considers himself a storyteller. He is a podcaster. He is a marathon runner. He's Australian, and he lives with a cystic fibrosis diagnosis. In this podcast, he's going to discuss his story and how he lives with this diagnosis day to day, how and why he decided to run marathons, why he feels impelled to spread his story and his views, and I loved every bit of this conversation. Truly Fit family, meet Bradley. Bradley, thanks for joining the Truly Fit podcast. I know you are across the globe here, uh, much different time zones. It's at night for me. It's at morning for you. Um, Good morning to you. Uh, How about you give the audience a brief bio of who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, good morning. Thanks for, well, good afternoon for you. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's a pleasure to be here from down under, um, the, the sunburnt country, as you guys call it over there. But um, I guess a bit of a bio on me is I'm a pretty simple guy. So was once in um, the fitness world and the fitness realm as a personal trainer. That was a few years back now and found my way into the business world as a real estate agent and selling property and doing that sort of stuff and worked in a few different places around the country before figuring out that I wasn't fulfilled anymore. Um, I didn't feel purpose in that and I didn't feel driven and found meaning in conversation and storytelling and the power that a conversation can hold and what it can do to someone's life when you reach the right people with those words and those stories and dived into the podcast space. And I've always been, you ask any of my family or friends, I've always been a chat. Um, I can chew the ears off anyone and sort of found myself into the space just sharing and talking and um, now you know nearly 100 episodes into my journey and just along the way just progressing I think when you find purpose and meaning in life other things start to present themselves to when you find yourself discovering more about yourself and what you need to be doing to be the best human being you are and um, I grew up with a condition or was born with it called cystic fibrosis which is a genetic illness that affects um, one in 25,000 newborn babies here in Australia. Um, And it basically affects the lungs, the digestive system and the endocrine system. And um, for me, that means liver disease and um, diabetic tendencies too. And, you know, take 50 tablets a day, a bunch of stuff to keep my lungs healthy. And a few crazy moments of health chaos last year led me to realize that I'd turned into a bit of a dad rig. Um, I wasn't looking after myself and I'd gotten a little bit cozy sitting behind a laptop sharing conversations. So I challenged myself to run a marathon and set up a charity event. I guess that's the scope of where I'm at and hopefully helps us lead off on this conversation. Sure. Well, congrats on the the marathon stuff and on the career transition because you know a lot of personal trainers are career transitioned from something else. I started in sort of the business world and public relations and in finance and then 
transition to personal training. And a lot of us do that. So we know what it's like to take the jump into something new and, and find, find a passion. So that's, so congrats on that. And then uh, we we're going to hop into the, into the cystic fibrosis shortly here. I want you to go into that, but just real quick, tell me about your experience. I guess almost like your couch to marathon experience. What was like the first week? Like, did you have uh, training partners? What was the motivation and, and all that led into that? Yeah, so for me, it was, like I said, a, a very sedentary life for a good year or two years beforehand. And I was, I was a sprinter growing up. Like I, I competed at state athletics in 100 200-meter sprints and was quite quite good over a short distance. But when it came to the long distance, I was not enjoying any any single moment or any single kilometer of a long-distance run. And it had been about seven years since I'd done any sort of long distance running. And that was just like a one-off five or six K run with my sister. And I'd sort of had a mate. I just started getting out and walking a bit more and I'm blessed. I live by the coast here in Australia. So I was doing a few laps in the ocean pool of a morning and a mate said to me, why don't you come and join like this little social group we've got every Sunday morning at 6am. We meet, we run 5Ks and then we have a coffee and a chat, just go and struggle through the run. And I'd done that for three weeks. And so on the third week, I tried to tried to go to two. So they had a Wednesday night session. I thought oh, I'll get a second 5K in because you know, I thought I'm not struggling as much as I was the first week. So I'll try to up the game a little bit. And I'm telling you, I got home that night and I thought I'm not cut out for two 5Ks in a week. And I was sore and I was battered, but I rocked up again on Sunday and shown some resilience. And it was after that fourth run, I just didn't feel right. Um, I was having a coffee with the boys and sort of felt a little bit loose in the lungs and sort of, I know, like I'm pretty aware of my body and when something's not right and I found myself in the bathroom, coughing up blood, trying not to make a scene and wow. um, ended up in hospital that day and they sent me home. I was all right. I stabilized and I ended up back there the next two days. And on the third night I'd coughed up quite a bit of blood. It was, you know, I think it was like 2am, 3am in um emergency and i was sitting there with my dad who used to be a runner back in the day um not a runner runner but he'd done some pretty crazy stuff and he'd done a, a huge charity event 23 years before for cystic fibrosis australia and i was blessed that growing up my mindset was always you know come across a hurdle um, you recover, you find a way to get over it and you move forward and you get better you get stronger and i thought you know what i wish everyone with cf had this mentality because it can be quite a disease or a disorder that's surrounded by, by negativity. The stats don't look good. Um, quite often the the quality of life isn't great for people with CF. And I thought, you know, what can I do now? Not just to recover for me, but to show people that CF doesn't have to limit your life, that you can do anything you set your mind to. And if you put in the work and you're patient and you allow yourself to, to move through those hurdles, but understand that they will come, um, and I thought, you know, how can I convey that message? And it was, well, if I went from bleeding lungs in a hospital bed here in July to the finish line of a marathon in December, I think that'd be a pretty good way to do it. So I began and I had no idea how to do it. Um, I had no idea what the journey looked like. I was blessed that one of my podcast guests, um, who was an ex rugby player here in Australia and over in Europe, Benny Seymour, um, had sort of transitioned from rugby into ultra endurance running and, you know, I'm no muscular freak of nature, but I'm also no like sort of like skinny, sort of like endurance runner. So I thought that's a guy who's gone from being 
quite a bigger fella and like figured out how to adjust the body to be able to handle those long runs and the endurance. And I was blessed that he come on board out of the goodness of his heart, the relationship we'd created to coach me through that process. And sort of it started off and my first long run was like seven and a half Ks. And I was like, I've never run this far in my life. And I don't know how, but somehow within the space of that four months, I just kicked every goal. I never didn't get through a run. Like I was able to go from seven to 25 Ks in five, six weeks. And and I guess it's for me, I'll put it down to like purpose fueling progress. And I think when you have something that's purpose driven, your body finds a way to get through it. And it's also, if it's an endeavor that doesn't have much meaning to it um, and it doesn't do something for you internally, quite often when you face those roadblocks or those barriers, um, you find a way to give up or you find a pretty quick reason to. And so for me, it was a journey of, you know, just listening to the body and and being a real student um, of the endurance game. And suddenly I sort of figured it out pretty quickly. Give the audience, and I'm naive to this as well, sort of a a more, I guess you would say medical or clinical uh, background on exactly what you have, because of of course, we know what cystic fibrosis is. I think the general population does. But um, again, being naive to that terminology, I, I always thought that that was something that people didn't didn't live past for 10, 11, 12 years. I thought it was sort of a, a death sentence, sorry, sorry to say that, because of my naivety. Can you explain, are there levels to cystic fibrosis? And what, what, is, the, what is the day in a life like as far as what you have to deal with? Yeah, well, you know, like, like what you said there, like, it is seen as something that is quite grim um, and almost a death sentence, or it was at least, um, you know, I was born with cystic fibrosis. It's something that you can't, you don't get it later on in life. You're either born with it. The people that are diagnosed later in life, it's, it's a case of that being missed and not being tested correctly for. Um, but I was born really healthy, like seemingly healthy. It was the Guthrie's test where they pricked the foot at three weeks old that determined I had cystic fibrosis and, Basically what CF is, um, and I'm no doctor here either, but I do my best to to describe it. It is a missing gene that helps transport salt and water to the cells. Now you have mucus. When you think of mucus, you think of like your nasal passages in your lungs, but mucus moves through the whole body. And without that salt and water, it can't move freely. It gets thicker and stickier and tends to sit on the ducts and the organs and, and stops it, harbors infection. It makes it easy for infection um, to catch and the pancreas is always quite insufficient with people with CF where nearly everyone with cystic fibrosis will take digestive enzymes to eat food. Now I'll sort of explain and digress a little bit here. There are a number of different genetic mutations that come with CF, um, which basically range in the degree of severity. And I've got the worst one, which is, um, Delta F508, two of those genes, And that just means that sort of a few extra things come with it. So uh, my pancreas doesn't work. So I take every time I eat something with protein or fat in it, I have to take digestive enzymes because my body's not producing them naturally. Um, I was diagnosed with liver disease at the age of nine, um, just because the same thing, like, you know, mucus passes through those organs, um, doesn't allow them to function properly, which means the liver and the spleen tend to get quite enlarged and struggle a little bit. And at 13, when I sort of, when you're going through the thick of puberty and your body needs more insulin to grow and it's really trying to grow and like you get trying to, and my body just didn't have enough insulin. So my blood sugars were skyrocketing and I was wondering why I wasn't putting on weight and why I was tired and, you know, a few, um, a few meals of insulin in the morning seemed to do the trick. And I actually grew out of that at like 18, 19, once I didn't need that much anymore. 
um, sort of as you've developed and, you know, you've passed through that puberty stage. And so there's, there's a broad range of things that are happening with CF and there's still some other things in my body, like my esophageal varices can fill up with a bit too much blood. So I go in for a procedure every 12 to 18 months to deal with that. But I'm, I'm blessed. I'm one of the, the very few that have this quite under control and, we're living in an age where we spoke about before this, like trusting health professionals and modern medicine is incredible. Um, I take 50 tablets a day, every day that allow me to function, to, to thrive, to keep growing and feeling better and healthier. And there are some real, um, really exciting developments in the drug space for cystic fibrosis that are going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, that are going to probably see, 90% of people with this condition um, live longer and more fulfilling lives, which is a really exciting time. And a lot of people in the US and the UK are starting to get access to those drugs. Uh, one in particular called Trikafta. We're at a stage in Australia where we're always a little bit behind um, the rest of the world with that stuff, but they're starting to get that out for compassionate access to patients who are struggling. But there's so much, you know, when I look at CF and the thing that I've been blessed with is two incredible parents, like the most incredible parents in the world. And I'm 25 now. So, you know, it's, it's up to me to, to continue to, to do the right things for myself. But when they had me, they knew nothing about CF. It was very new to them. They found themselves in a doctor's surgery, speaking to a CF specialist who said, your son would be better off with a terminal illness that would kill him or he'd get over it this is going to ruin his life and they refused to believe it they walked out they found another doctor who had a I guess a really good outlook on life and the things you can be doing to prevent and to make sure that you get the most out of your time here and the most out of a CF and because of that I was you know a state athletic champion growing up and I'd done all the right things like I exercised a lot and that's the best thing you can do for CF to move your lungs to get them open like exercise um there's a little lung physiotherapy stuff you can do so breathing against resistance in like a kind of like a puffer style thing that pushes air back through your lungs and moves it or resist to open up the airways in the lungs there's so much you can be doing and a lot of the time people don't do that unless they're sick where we decided well no we're always going to do that because why wait when you can just prevent that from happening. And so I had a very healthy childhood, um, probably up until the age of 18 years of age, where if you had told me I didn't have CF, um, I would have agreed with you. I try to, when I hear these great stories, I try to somehow like repurpose them to help personal trainers in some way. And I think what I got from your story so much, but one major thing is when somebody has a diagnosis, the last thing you want to do is try to treat them with kid gloves. So your parents did quite the opposite, right? They go, no, 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 my, my son is fine. He's going to make it. And you didn't treat yourself with kid gloves. You said, no, no, no I'm, I'm going to be a state champion. I'm going to run. And it's so important. I work with a lot of uh, movement disorders, so Parkinson's and things of that nature. And the last thing they want is to be treated easily, right? They don't want you to give them a light workout. They want you to challenge them because they do have other areas of their life where people go, oh, they have this disorder. I have to sort of take it easy. And I think it's important to number one, if you have this, I'm sure you'll speak to this, surround yourself with people who are not going to do that. But, but number two, secondly, if you're a personal trainer and you're working with someone, if someone comes to you, do your research, right? Find out about it. Make sure that obviously you're not going, you know, past any limitations, regardless of uh, disorder or not, right? We have to push people only to their limits, not past them all the time. But we, uh, we have to make sure that we are treating people 
like anybody else and that there isn't there the limitations are only within themselves and that we can continue to work hard yeah i agree steve and like for me it was like it was a badge of honor to have cf and to be able to beat everyone over 100 meters it was like well i wasn't supposed to be able to do anything but i'm competing at the highest level and i'm beating people like what's their excuse because i don't have any (laughs) Yeah, And I think that's just the way you've got to look at it, right? Like we all, like, it doesn't matter whether you're born with something. We all at one stage in our life face some sort of adversity. Like we live in a world now where mental health, you know, takes quite an effect on so many people. Like for somebody with um, depression or anxiety or something like that, that may affect them more than what CF would affect me. Like it's, you can't, you can't put these things in a box and measure how much it should affect someone or how much it's going to, or you know, how much things should change. I think you, you just work from where you're at. And I, I was blessed that I set up a really good base and foundation of mentality um, at an early age, which come from my parents and my sister and the people around me. Like my mates weren't going to run slower to let me beat them. Like sure. it's, and it's just surrounding yourself. Like you said, that environment and that circle where if, if your mentality is, let's just make the most of whatever situation I'm in then you find ways to rise above it when things aren't as easy um, as they were. Yeah, uh, very well said. So let's get into a little bit of that uh, that training. Did you find it, uh, I, of course it was, it was difficult, but did you find it to be completely unique in this endurance training from your past experiences with sprinting from your past experience with working out was endurance training unique, like, like any other training. Yeah. So much different. Um, probably those two, there's probably two things that were really noticeable for me. Um, the first being like, because I'd had the bleeds in the lungs just before starting this prep. Um, the first like four or three weeks of training, I sort of finish a long run and usually cough up a decent amount of blood. Mm. And I think that was just mud at times, but um, just sort of getting used to that and adjusting and understanding, okay, my body may need to, I guess, longer sessions. But also the biggest thing for me is with CF, there is, um, it's pretty much common in everyone with CF that you lose a lot of sodium. So I was losing like three times more salt than the average person would um, in an exercise session. So any endurance athlete knows the importance of sodium. And I was wondering why I was hydrating so much before, but really struggling to like rehydrate later in the day. So I could finish say a 15 K run. Um, and at the time when that was like my biggest runs and the most I'd ever been out of my feet for, I'd find I'd come home and I could be drinking so much water, but it just wasn't in the body. And I started to learn. I actually found a guy who has CF as well from Perth over here in Australia. And he'd done some marathons and he gave me sort of a suggestion on having roughly like 900 to a thousand milligrams of sodium before a long run. And I tried that and straight away, I was like, I'm holding my water better. I feel better on these long runs. And it was that, that journey of experimentation. I think when you're trying something new and especially with the nutrition side of it, the training can kind of be catered and calculated but the nutrition is so interpersonal, like it's different for everyone. And I just found what works. And I guess the hardest thing in the the body sense of things was just learning that not every session has to be extremely difficult. Like if you're doing a long run, it should be quite a nice relaxed pace, like keep the heart rate within a certain zone 
allow the body to get grooves and understanding that that actual zone two of heart rate on a long run is far more beneficial for building aerobic capacity than just being completely taxed like you'd like to be on a on a fast session an interval session or like a smaller run and it was just learning those things and a lot of it comes from ego like I'm, I'm a bit of a Strava buff I love I don't know if you guys use too much Strava over there but we do yeah I love it- jumping on it was a, it was originally in America just for cyclists, and then it it, it's, okay. it moved over to runners maybe like three years ago. Yeah, well, me and all my mates, we we love to get on Strava and throw a few kudos around and keep tabs on each other to see what everyone's doing. And you can kind of get caught up in that, like, oh, I can't, like, I'm looking at my long run pace today on my Garmin, and I'm a little bit slower than I was last week. God, the boys are gonna notice that. Like, I need to up this a bit, and I just had to get out of my head and just go, okay, this is my journey. Um, I'm on this by myself and, and figure it out. And I guess that's, that's like anything. It's if you remove the ego, you find, you find a way to find exactly where you need to be in the journey you need to be on. Well, like any journey, people after the journey like to um, help other people who they know are potentially going through that. So is your current next step potentially helping people who have CF go through the same process and try some running or some long distance running or just helping runners in general has having nothing to do with CF. Is this something you do or want to do? Um, look, it's funny because I'm, I'm no expert still. I'm still learning so much. And I, I looked, I'm learning so much again this year. And there's so much that I look back on last year and go, wow, I wish I knew this then. Like I wish I knew how my body responded to this or this kind of stimulus back then. Cause I would have felt so much better. And, um, like even yesterday, I ran a 27K and I felt incredible. I've never felt so good on a long run before. And that was after a huge deadlift session on Monday and like after a couple of really solid weeks of running. So I'm starting to learn, my body's starting to adapt, but I'm still st- such a student of this. And and I've, I don't think I'm ready or I don't even think I'm, I'm wanting to be a teacher per se or a trainer. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what I'd more so like to get across is just the message of resilience and purpose. Like if you find something that you love and that means something to you. And like, especially for people with CF, it's, it's not so much running. The message is just find something like whether that's cycling, swimming, whether it's boxing, being in the weight room, find something, attach yourself to a purpose driven goal and just pursue it. And I just want to show people that it's not so much the sport you do or the way that you do it. It's just being with that mindset that like nothing's impossible and, you know, if I'd listened to to all of the things that people had said to me um, over the course of 25 years, I'd be sitting in bed here with Netflix on um, feeling sorry for myself. So I think it's more so the mentality and and just showing people what's possible. And that's why I'm doing the ultra in December, because everyone knows I can do a marathon now. So I've got to prove what's possible again. And I think I'll just continue to push myself and hope that um, it can be something that allows others to see what they can be too. Well, that's a, you know, that's a fantastic message. And I I can tell you, if you do decide to be a running coach or a coach of any sort, I know you're obviously in that space where you want to be a a leader and a mentor. You obviously have all the skills. And I I will will tell you that knowing the nuances of running, right, being an expert on exactly, you know, the the training regimens and, and what heart rate variability you should use beforehand and all that stuff. That just comes with time, right? What you need to do is care about your clients. If you're any sort of mm-hmm. coach or mentor or trainer first, and then all of that stuff comes because if you care about your clients, you're going to want to do your due diligence. You're going to want to read. You're going to want to get those books. You're going to want to go out and and do the exercises yourself to make sure you can pass on the anecdotal experiences to your clients. So it is important that 
you know, I'm speaking to everybody that, you know, whether you're a, you know, a trainer, a coach, a mentor, whoever you are, that, you, you know, the, the first thing that you have is the passion to help people. The secondary thing is the knowledge. The knowledge will come over time. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I agree with that. I think it's like, it's like I said before, like purpose fuels progress. And that's not just in yourself individually, but in the people you have around you. And when you really care about the direction they're moving in, um, you find ways to make things work. So so tell me a little bit about sort of like the ultra marathons and like the extreme endurance running. Are there, um, can you just sort of like pay your way into these races? Do you have to work your way into these races and place? How, how, how does this work? Well, I don't know too much about that side of things because all of these events I've created myself. So oh, really? my, my theory was, yeah, my theory was last year with COVID being sort of rampant everywhere in the world. I, I was watching as I guess marathons were canceled, run events were canceled. So my idea was if I'm going to run a marathon, why don't I run my own and, and make it an event that proves to people like what's possible in the CF space. And so I called it 42 for CF. It kind of 42.2 for CF didn't have the same ring. So I was like, people will get it. And I had contact with Cystic Fibrosis Australia, um, the foundation over here who runs all of our fundraising and all of the um, education and, and research and development and advocacy of new drugs in Australia. And I can imagine you've got a US body over there too, who I actually believe are quite closely tied in with our crew in Australia. And they actually reached out to me over Facebook and said, Hey, we, we heard about this event. Um, instead of making it you and a couple of mates running around the park, why don't we endorse it and we'll make it something really special. And we did, we ended up raising $56,000 in the couple of months that we had to prepare. And it was a, it was a low key event. Like there were 13 of us that ran and a couple hundred that were there like supporting in the crowd. And we had, you know, by people on bikes with nutrition and hydration. And so that's 42 for CF was born and it's become something again this year. That was, was actually the first official marathon in our um, hometown here of Wollongong last year. So we're doing that again this year in October. So that's the marathon that we're prepping for this year, just with a few more runners and um, gearing up to make it a bigger thing. And then the ultra marathon was, well, it's, it's like you said before, you surround yourself with good people, right? But unfortunately, when you surround yourself with a bunch of guys who love running, some crazy ideas start to get thrown around, which is exciting but scary at the same time because you often get dragged into them. And one of the boys said to me, hey, why don't we do – he's running the Melbourne Marathon for Nike. They're sending him down there in, in October as well. And he said, I can't run your event because I've got to do that. However – why don't we do something a little bit crazier in December on the one year anniversary of last year's marathon? And I said, Oh, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, there's this place in um, Wollongong here. It's called Lighthouse Hill and Lighthouse Hill is sort of like a sort of hilly section that goes up quite steeply and then comes down quite gradually and just loops around. And he said, Oh, what about a hundred laps of Lighthouse Hill? And I said, how far is that? And he said, it's 57 Ks. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, let's jump on it. We'll make it December. We'll make an event out of it. You know, fair bit of elevation too, which will be a nice challenge, but also just the monotony of running for a hundred laps in the same direction. And then we announced it and he said, oh, I actually just done the math. It's about 64 Ks. So I was like, okay, well, we've announced it now. So we're in for 64, aren't we? So that's kind of how that come about. And the same thing, we just spoke to CF Australia and we said, we'll use it as an extra fundraising sort of like an extra fundraising run and see if we can get it up to a hundred grand in donations this year. And, and they were like, yeah, go do some crazy stuff and keep raising money and spreading awareness. So 
um, you know, they're happy for me to keep doing this crazy stuff. And I'm excited. Like for me, it's a, the real challenge this year will be like ending on. So I run the marathon on October 16th, mm-hmm. like recovering properly. Um, Cause you obviously want to go out there and not just run a marathon, but like give it your best crack and, and have a real go at like improving your time from last year. And I'm not fast by any means. If anyone checks me out on Strava, you'll see I'm a pretty cruisy runner, but the challenge will be like having that six or so weeks in between events where it's like, how do I recover from a marathon and now train to be even in even better shape for more incline and, you know, another 20 odd Ks. And so I think for me, it's going to be a mix of like a session on the, on the bike into a session running just to like fatigue the muscle, but keep the joints healthy. And like, and and these are all new experiences that I'm looking forward to diving into and hopefully getting the body a little bit lighter and a little bit more endurance dialed in. Well, I would recommend you might already be doing this, but uh, document that journey because I'm sure there's going to be other people, even if it's not the two same exact events who have some sort of, you know, like long endurance events that are only six weeks apart. And they're thinking about in advance, how exactly they're going to pair up or pair down training and go about the recovery process. So I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you documenting that will be a big help for people. And, and that's part of what you do is, is obviously you help people. So. And so I'll be the crash test dummy for anyone who's keen. <laughs> well, uh, Bradley, it looks like professional goals wise, you have them down the road here, your, your physical goals, you have them. Yeah. All, all of that stuff is tied up. We talked a little bit about that, but uh, I'm going to ask you the hard question here, you know, five, 10 years out, where do you see yourself exactly? What do you think that you'll be doing? What, what would, what would not surprise you if you were in that space 10 years from now? Yeah, I like what you said there. What would not surprise you? Because it's it's really hard to say where I see myself because I'm I'm one of those guys whose mind is like the seasons, it changes so drastically and dramatically all the time. But what I know is that I've never been happier or more purpose-driven, or there's never been a better feeling inside of me than when I'm sharing really powerful story and conversation, whether that be parts of my own or parts of others. And what I envision is to be someone on global scale who can be up on a stage, be behind a mic or in front of someone on a screen, sharing the stories they are going to allow them to see all they can be in their life. And, you know, we hear it all the time that life is short. Um, but I think we forget that we only get one of them, right? It's like how many chaotic health moments or how many really like crazy life experiences that remind you of your mortality do you need before you actually go out and experience life like it is your last and I just want to share that message with people and for me whether I don't know what the vehicle to that is like I said it could be like in the podcast space it could be on a stage Um, but I just want to be around the world sharing those things and continuing to challenge myself physically like there's a quote that I love and it's a rich man has many problems a sick man has one and I never want to be that sick man with a you know with that one problem again of finding their health so being on this journey of like continuing to challenge myself and get the most out of my body and the blessing that I have to you know I I see CF as a massive blessing it's an incredible teacher and it's given me a story that I know will inspire people the world over if I continue to do what I'm doing so I think in five or 10 years to be in a position where just everything I'm doing now is on a larger scale. The more people I'm speaking to, the more people have a positive opportunity to impact. And um, I like to think I'm a creative fellow too. So hopefully doing some things in a creative directive space where 
I get to work with big brands and big names to, to make really special moments on film or on mic. Well, I think you're uh, halfway there at least. And, and to throw a quote at you, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And uh, you've already completed a lot of marathons, but yeah. uh, you're, you're well on your way to, to, to more than that. And again, quite the inspiration. It's a fantastic story. How do we get people to find out more about your story, to potentially donate to any of these CF-related races or other things that you do? What is the best way for them to contact you directly or to just view your content? Yeah, look, the heart of everything I do um, comes off the back of my Instagram. It's, you know, there's links in my bio to the fundraising pages, um, the YouTube channel, the podcast. So um, my last name is a little bit tricky, but I'll spell it out. If you just search Bradley J, just the letter J and then Drybra, which is D-R-Y-B-U-R-G-H on Instagram, you see me there. And that's where I post everything and, you know, document a lot of the running stuff and just a lot of my life. And um, I guess for some of the the US followers, which I'm sure you have many of, um, you can see what this fella's doing down under and the kind of life that I'm living to make all these things happen. So if anyone gets behind it, really grateful. And I really appreciate everyone who comes along on the journey. Well, I will link and write all of that stuff in the description as well as uh, on Instagram and then tag you on all the things that we release, including the podcast and all of that stuff. So I'm sure the viewers will obviously check in and, and hopefully donate if they can to any of these races and causes and just and, and follow Bradley and his journey. It's uh, quite inspirational. Bradley, thank you for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thank you so much. And I just want to say I really appreciate you reaching out to me to have me on here to share my story. It's a privilege and anytime I get to do that and I don't take it lightly and I love all that you're doing and um, the positive inspiration that you'll be to so many people who sit on the other end of this video, audio, wherever they tune into the Truly Fit Podcast. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review on your listening platform and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.